So I'm part of Emmanuel Church London, and I'm also part of the New Day team. So I get to talk about New Day and plan New Day all year round. So coming here this week and kind of seeing it all happen and seeing all of you guys here is a real privilege. Um, But this afternoon, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the journey God's taken me on in the last year. And it all kind of started with a trip about January time. Um, I was going on a trip with two of my friends, Ben and Gaz. Some of you might know them. Um, And as we kind of got on the plane, we were sort of traveling abroad. um, We got on the plane. Ben said to me, oh, Hannah, when we get to our seat, don't worry about putting your suitcase up above. I'll do that for you. Um, And in me, (laughs) this anger started to rise up, like very disproportionately to the thing my friend had just very kindly offered to do. And the other thing you should know is my friend is well over six foot and I'm five foot one. So just logically, it makes sense. And there were a couple of other conversations throughout that trip where um, just a couple of things I just got really angry about when people were offering to do really nice things for me, when guys that I was with were offering to do really nice things. And I I just realized, like, what is it? Why am I so angry about this? Why am I so upset that that people think I can't do these things? And and the suitcase, I did, I put it up on top myself. I really stubbornly kind of got there, got on my tiptoes, put it on the overhead locker. Um, And you cheer. But actually, God showed me that was a bit of a problem in my heart, that I wasn't willing to receive help. Um, And he sort of took me on a bit of a journey with this. And that trip coincided with me reading a book that sort of challenged some of the aspects of feminism in our culture and God just really started to speak to me and the first thing he spoke to me about was um, the verses in Genesis where Adam and Eve have sinned um, and they um, God is sort of saying to them this is the curse this is going to be the result of your sin and he says to Eve that your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And I was like, yeah, men, they've been ruling over us for years. Yes, they shouldn't rule over us. And then God was like, but yes, but your desire will be for your husband. You will try and be like men. You will try and um, desire to behave like them. You're going to try and um, do things that aren't necessarily feminine, that aren't necessarily what women will need to do. And I was like, oh, (laughs) so it works both ways and I just felt like God really challenged me that neither parts of those are right neither of those things are right in our culture that that actually men shouldn't rule over us and it's really good to kind of fight against that but at the same time we shouldn't be trying to be like men we should be embracing what it is to be a woman and we need to fight for equality but we also need to make sure that we are fully walking on what it is to be a woman Um, And God just really showed me two lies that I was particularly believing. Um, And some of you here might find that that some of these resonate with you. And the first lie was that I don't need to have any men in my life. I'm a strong, independent woman, and I don't need anybody else. And the second one was that sometimes I try and behave like a man, and I try and be like a man, because I want to to be able to, yeah, just that I'm trying to copy those behaviours. And so I've just been on a bit of a journey on like what, if those are the lies that I'm believing, what's the truth that God's got in that? What's the truth for me in that? Um, and, 
and sort of, again, kind of journeying through, I've been reading a book um, by a guy called Steph Liston, and it's called Gender Quality. And I, if this is a subject that, that you're passionate about, which seeing how many of you have come here today, you possibly are, really recommend that book. And he really helpfully for me took it back to the story of creation. And the fact that in Genesis it said, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And just the real importance that God created us men and women. That both men and women are needed to truly reflect the image of God. And that's how he created us. Um, And that's, we can't, you know, men cannot reflect the image of God fully on their own. And women cannot reflect the image of God fully on our own. We need to be men and women working together for the advance of the kingdom, for the advance of the gospel. And that's not just in the context of marriage, that's across the board. Men and women working together is a beautiful reflection of the image of God because both men and women reflect different parts of God. Um... And I think, you know, this, we can really focus on some of the male aspects of God's character, and that's really important. But there are also some aspects of God's character that, that are feminine. In um, Isaiah 66, it, God the Father refers to himself in, with some feminine reference to being a mother. In Matthew 23, Jesus refers to himself refer, like, reflecting an image of a mother. Eve, when she's created, she's called Adam's helper. And sometimes we can think that's a really second-rate thing, but it's not. The Holy Spirit is described as our helper, and the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He is God. He comes and does incredible things. That's an incredible calling for us as women to be able to work alongside and to help men. And I think for us to truly reflect God, men and women, as I say, need to work together. So what does it like, look like to be uniquely feminine? And I think, first of all, we can, we can focus a lot on the, real, the differences. But actually, there's a huge amount that's similar between men and women. You know, we're all sinners that need grace and salvation. We are joint heirs with Christ, and we look forward to his future returns that we can call in that inheritance. And we can be called to the same things. We can be called to leadership. We can be called to be evangelists. We can call to be in different fields of work. So there are lots of things that, are, that can be really similar. But also God has called us to be women. Um, and I think part of what I've started to conclude in my own journey is that part of being, being a woman of God, being feminine, is not being afraid to... Oh, nearly kicked that over. <laughs> not being afraid to fully turn up as myself and not being afraid to fully turn up and be me and not kind of be concerned that maybe I'm going to be too much or I'm going to say the wrong thing or, um, and just walk in my calling and not be, not be worried that that's going to be the wrong thing. And there are some great examples as well that we can look to, to in the Bible. We've got the woman that's described in Proverbs 31 who's a mother. She manages her household. She's a wife who's relieved to her husband to go and be an elder of the city. You've got Esther, who's an incredibly courageous woman who goes before the king to save her people. Um, in the Gospels, there are a number of women that are referred to that were part of the, the disciples that, that Jesus traveled around with and served him. And there are, there are some great people that we can look to, but none of them are exactly the same. There's not an exact model of this is what it looks like. Part of it is just turning up um, and being being who God has called us to be, but being fully ourselves in that. A bit of an example for me, I mentioned at the beginning that I'm part of the New Day team. 
And the New Day team in its current form is me and three men. Um, And sometimes I've turned up in that context and we've been talking about something and it's really raised a passion in me. Now, when I get passionate about something, I cry. And and I'm not saying that to be women, we've got to cry. We've got to be careful of some stereotypes, right? But at the same time, it's really vulnerable and requires real strength to sit in front of three men who stare at you, being like, I don't know what to do, and cry about something because we're broken for the next generation, because we really want to see something happen. And sometimes... That's what we need to do. We need to turn up and be really able to embrace who God's created us to be. And and that's going to be different in lots of different people. Um, And it's going to look different. And there isn't necessarily a, well, if you do this, this, and this, then you're going to be feminine and you're going to be a woman. Um, My best friend um, is a massive football fan and I cannot stand football. Sorry, Rebecca, I looked at you when you said that. She sports spurs as well. (laughs) Um, So, but she's not any less of a woman than I am because she likes to play football and watch football. I love, like, honestly, if you put me in a room, I'll take charge of a room. Like, you put me in a group of people and I'm like, right, can I be the boss? Can I start telling everyone what to do? That doesn't make me any less of a woman of my friend who loves to play football, who hates to be in charge and hates to stand up in front of people. We've got to embrace who God has called us to be and allow ourselves to just to step into that and be who we are in it and not try and copy other things that we see. And so if you take one thing from kind of what I've said, I just really want to to encourage you to step into the callings that God has got for you and not to feel like you need to fit into a mold or fit into a stereotype or fit into anything. And I'd encourage you to get into the Bible and look at some of these characters that I've talked about and there's many more to see the beauty that God has for women and the beauty that he has for us to encourage and pursue and go after. So, Lauren. Gosh, wasn't that amazing, guys? Hannah, thank you. It's actually um, so... I did see Hannah's notes before I wrote mine, but I think I must have thought they were so good that I wrote half of them into mine. So I might have to cut a bit of what I've said just so that we don't say the same things. But there's great that there's so much we agree on. Um, I think that there, that aside from like the challenges that historically are really well documented when it comes to being a woman. There's a unique challenge at the moment because you can really feel pulled in a million different directions, right? You want to honour God. You want to honour what's biblical. You want to follow God's best for you. But you want to support women and you want to champion women and you want to, you, you want to be a feminist and you want to fight and you want to you know, do all of those things. But what if that's actually not what God wants us to do and maybe I want to you know go out to work and achieve this and achieve that and achieve this and, and then also be a mama but but maybe I'm just supposed to be a mum I don't I don't know what you know and there's all these millions of different options but actually you can kind of feel crippled by the fear of all of these decisions and everyone's telling you you know that you can probably do everything but you actually can't do everything that's madness unless you just want to drive yourself mad and just when you think you've worked it out you go and see the Barbie movie and it's like all over again, you've got to start from scratch and work out what exactly you're doing and why you're doing it. So it's confusing, and it's particularly confusing for Christian women, right? Because we've got a framework 
for what being a human looks like, for what being a woman looks like. And often the messaging that we can get from the world can feel at odds with that. And I think sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, but it can all just feel like a bit of a jumble. Um, I think we all as Christians want to champion justice. And I will say that there is a difference between equality and justice, right? I don't believe that God gives every single one of his children the exact same thing because it will be so much more advantageous for one person over another. And I'll give you an example for that, right? Let's say, you know, we're not super tall. You're, what, 5'1"? I'm 5'3", I'm probably, right? So say I'm walking down the road with Jez's, what, six foot? Yeah? Yeah. Right. Jez and I, we're walking down the road, and we hear noise coming from over the other side of a fence, right? But the fence is six foot, so Jez can't quite see over, and I can't see anything, right? But he can sort of stand on his tiptoes and see it. If then we each got given a box to stand on that was half a foot, right? Jez would be able to see fine, and I'd still be able to see nothing. But that's equal. We've been given the same thing. It's just had a different result. Actually, what's probably justice in that situation is to give both the boxes to me and then we can both kind of see over and see what we're looking at. Jez doesn't need an amazing view as long as he can see a bit and then I can as well. And I think that when we talk about equality, we think everyone should get the same thing. Some people need more than us and that's okay and that's justice and it takes real spiritual discernment to work out where things should be distributed. And I think that's, that's what God has. That's what God does. So sometimes it may feel like things aren't completely equal, but maybe they're just if you look at them from someone else's perspective. Maybe someone else was staring at the fence and they needed both of those blocks. So that's, that's a suggestion I have for you guys to mull on. Oh, there are things that there is no doubt are more difficult for women, and that's not okay. And, you know, there is still a gender pay gap. Even though technically that's, technically that's illegal, we're still working towards a place where women of equal rank and job and position are paid the same as men. And in lots of ways, that's improved. And that's great. But we're still getting there. Women are less likely to believe if they say that they're in pain. And to add insult to injury, women of colour even less likely to be believed if they say that they're in pain. So if you go into um, an A&E department and report abdominal pain as a man, you'll get given painkillers, I think about on average 15 minutes quicker because people aren't as quick to believe women. And that's not okay. And that's something we need to talk about more. If you're you're at work, you're more likely to be talked over if you're a woman. And women are, and will always be, and there's no point denying this, more physically vulnerable. Because we, we, on average, aren't as strong as men. And there are some women who are far stronger than men, and there are some men who are far weaker than women. But if we're looking at the averages men on the whole will always be stronger than women. And that means that women are more vulnerable to things like domestic violence because in a one-on-one situation, 
you are you will be the more physically vulnerable which means that we have to we have to recognize these things as challenges to us as women right and it's important to recognize them and god doesn't think that this is okay this is not part of his original design his original plan and his creation and we can champion women around us as we as we petition for this injustice to stop but right that said there's a lot of stuff around this sort of empowering and championing of women which I don't think sits right with with us as Christian women um so Hannah really beautifully explained a bit around her story of this this idea of we don't need anyone right I don't need a man I don't need anyone. You don't necessarily need a romantic relationship, but relationship with men is really important. Don't just surround yourself with people who are like you. You know, we do need men, just as we need other women, just as we need lots of people with different perspectives. And, you know, I said it on the stage this morning, and I said it at the seminar, and I'll say it again, we're designed to be, to be in community, We're not supposed to be islands that do things on our own. And we will be so much more productive and and useful to the kingdom and fulfilled and well and filled with joy if we have a range of people around us. And that means good, solid, caring, kind men, just as it means good, solid, caring, kind women. Um, Oh, here's another myth, right? I'm going to be a strong, confident woman. And that means acting like a man, right? And that's something that Hannah was saying as well. And often, right, when we say that, we're like, oh, you know, let's say at school or your workplace or university, you know, I'm just going to be really confident. I'm just going to talk really loud. I'm just going to act like I know everything. I'm just going to, you know, just going to be really assertive. I'm going to ask for what I want. I'm going to demand what I want. Those aren't male traits. They're the traits of a rude man not of just a man. And actually, none of us should be aspiring to have those traits. We should all be making space for those around us. And actually, when when men are doing masculinity well, they don't bulldoze over anyone. They create space. They platform people. And, And it's amazing that those conversations are going on with the men, aside from us, um, here. So actually, if you, if you say like, oh, I'm going to be like a man, what you probably mean is I'm going to be like a rude man. And I don't think any of us, even men, need to behave like that. There's another place where women, outside of church and mainstream society, are being encouraged to be like men. And that's in sex, right? So I'm going to give you a little bit of background on how I think this sexual revolution is affecting us as women, right? So we're told men can sleep with whoever they like and they just sort of dip in and out. This is very general. Not everyone will have told you that, but it's sort of society view. You know, men men just sleep with people. They don't care. They don't have emotions about it. They don't get as attached as we do, you know, and we're always the sort of faithful ones, but not anymore. Now's your time to claim it. You are like sexually free. You can do what you want. You can, you know, you can sleep around like a bloke and it's not going to hurt you and just however you want to live your life, right? That's what the world says. And put this in a bit of context, right? Um, Throughout history, um, it's been documented that, that men have been given 
sort of societal permission to have multiple partners. But in, in virtually all societies, women have been expected to be monogamous. So if you look at Jesus' time, Greco-Roman society, uh, high worth women, so women high in society, were expected to have one partner. And that's so that you knew who the father of their children was. So that's just a sensible thing, right? Whereas high worth men were free to go and, you know, obviously sleep with their wife or wives, but also, you know, visit brothels and pay for sex and things like that. And that was all open to them. And that was the society at the time. So we've got women who are demanded to have one sexual partner and society that says it's okay for men to have multiple sexual partners. Then we've got the time now where everyone's gone, okay, men can have loads of sexual partners, so can we. Let's shift ourselves all the way up here. That's not going to hurt us. That's great, right? Jesus is the only person who also demanded equality for men and women when it came to sex, but he said it in the other way. He said, no, I want men and women to have one partner. And that was revolutionary. That is justice. That is equality. It isn't, look at what men are doing, let's copy. It's, what is God's design for us? Let's stay strong in that. And let's encourage everyone to meet us there. God, Jesus, demanded monogamy from all his disciples, which was crazy at the time. But that's how he showed that respect for women. Because actually, the consequences of casual sex, the physical consequences, are always going to be worse for women. We carry the burden of, of unexpected and unplanned for pregnancy. We're the ones who have to carry children. We're more likely to be infertile if we... Um, get any kind of STI and also what we don't talk about and I and I I can't speak for how men approach this and I wouldn't want to say that this is any different but I know so many women who've been so emotionally hurt by trying to be physical with their in their relationships in the way that they think men do so I want us to really ignore that whole women can be like men a Jesus says men shouldn't be behaving in that way anyway, but also we need to be caring for ourselves. Um, You've already covered my next point, so I'm going to skip forward. No, that's good. It's good. Um, Something else I'd say is, um, I wonder, how many of you guys have heard of the woman of Proverbs 31, right? She's perfect. She works She raises her kids by day and works by night and she makes the fabric and she weaves it from her golden hair. No, I'm joking. She doesn't weave it from her golden hair. But what we've got there is an example of a woman who is phenomenal in a million different ways, right? But what I would say and what what's often not flagged up to us women is that is not a checklist for you to hold up against yourself and wonder whether or not you're stacking up. In the Jewish tradition, it's the men that read and learn that passage because it is an ode to women. It is a celebration. It's not to make you feel like you should be doing more. It's a way of highlighting all of the many ways that women contribute and contributed at the time to their families and to society. So that is a gift, not a way of being like, oh, I'm not good enough. Um, I 
would love it if we could all be working towards a better way of championing women in our environments, in our world, without doing down men and whilst honouring what God has and God's best for all of us, right? Um, And I do believe that there's a model for doing that. And I don't think you need to use the word feminism or, or call yourself a feminist because I think that it's very tricky to know what someone means when they use that word. You know, it's been really muddied and actually, you know, you could two people could call themselves a feminist and they could really mean two very different things. But actually, what's important is that you are mindful of where injustice is, um, relating to women, but also, you know, in many other respects. I absolutely loved what Hannah said, you know, about, you know, you can be into sport, you can be a leader, you know, you can... You can do all kinds of things, and that doesn't mean that you're a good or bad woman. That's not, you know, your hobbies aren't what God says make you an incredible woman. But there are unique gifts that you have that you get to to show people, to use, to build the kingdom, to enjoy, that, that shouldn't be pushed back against, that should be completely embraced. And you're just... you will be surprised by the impact you can have when you, when you welcome the things that God has, has given you. So I think as you're listening to this, my opinions, Hannah's opinions, we're not standing here giving you your opinions. We want you to take this as information, take this as data points, take this as something worth noting. Speak to your church leaders, your youth group leaders, read the Bible, test everything against the Bible. Um, and pray about it, to come to your own decisions. But even if you feel that you maybe don't agree with something I've said, or you don't agree with something someone else has said about the sort of place of women in church and stuff like that, what unites us is greater than what we disagree on, right? So actually, that's okay, and we can have really open discussions. We can hear other people who, who have landed in a different place on things without having it challenge our, you know, our faith or anything like that. It's, it's good to be in a place where we can healthily um, come to different, different places on things and have it not pull us apart. So I would encourage you to investigate what this looks like, to continue praying about it. Um, but also, as you think about how you can champion women, how you can look for this, this justice, know that it's, you know... We serve a God who is for people who are oppressed. And it's not just women who are in that place. That can be, you know, there are people who are poorly treated for all kinds of reasons, including their sex, including the way they talk, the color of their skin, where they're from, the way they dress, what they believe, the fact that they're not able-bodied or, or because of how much money they have or the status they have. And as people with God, we stand up for all of those people, which means listening to them, listening to the experiences of other women, as well as men too, and trying our best to raise up together and to to work out in a a God-centered way who needs that justice, who needs both those blocks when maybe you don't need one. And I think if we can have that sort of spiritual eyes, those spiritual mindset, we will find a way to build amazing community where everyone knows how valued and loved they are by God. 
that. It, well, we are. I've got your questions that have come through on my phone that I've put down somewhere. Um, so if Nikki and Rebecca, you want to come join us in the middle, we were just going to sit along the stage and keep it really informal, but I can't move this out of the way. While I'm doing this, Rebecca and Nikki, do you perhaps want to just tell us a little bit, your names, a little bit about you, because we've not heard from you yet? I'm Rebecca and Nikki. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I'm Nikki. I'm Rebecca. Uh, okay. We're doing this really well, aren't we? Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, I don't know what else we want to say. Which church are you from? I'm What's from Southampton. Here? Anyone here from Southampton? <laughs> Woo! Yeah. So, yeah, I'm Rebecca. Um, I'm, a bit about me, I've been coming to New Day since I was about you guys' age, but from 11. Um, what do I like doing? Um, I like playing a lot of sport. I work in broadcasting, so um, that's really exciting. Um, I'm, yeah, passionate about a lot of things. I've got a lot of fire in my belly, um, and it's just really interesting the, some of the things we're going to talk about. Um, as you were all speaking, I, I get challenged because... Um, there's a lot in me, but sometimes I find it quite hard to give people all of myself. So I'll be interested to like hear what you got, what questions you've asked and stuff like that. So yeah, great. Well, I'm gonna. Um, oh gosh, this thing keeps moving. I'm gonna um, start with one question, which is, what one thing would you tell your ten-year-old self about womanhood? So, um, any Rebecca, go it's, for it. It's no joke. That's the, uh, no, um, I would say um, to myself that um, don't rush. I know, like you probably all hear that all the time, but I think now at the age that I am, I would really tell myself like not to rush to grow up so much because. Um, once knowledge starts coming in and you get super exposed to things, there's some things that are harder to delete from your mind than, you know, you probably realise. Um, I think I would also tell... No, I think I would also tell myself uh, at 10 years old, um, uh, yeah, like, just... To be fair, I think it's a big heart of mine, but I think I would tell other 10-year-old selves is to be outward. You were talking about being compassionate and looking at you know, other people. And I would say really heavily emphasize at 10 years old, learn to be outward looking and to have a soft heart. Because as we've all said, as you all look around, none of you look alike. None of you come from the same place. None of you are monoliths. And monoliths is just, just means not the same. Um, and I would, yeah, really drill that in to, to be outward because I think that's... What do you mean be outward? As in, yeah, great question. To be outward as in to look outwardly to people. So even just like how your body position is, you know, you were just mentioning like womanhood and femininity doesn't look the same. And I think at that age, sometimes it's been drilled in from so young that this is what it looks like and it doesn't. Um, so that's what I mean. Great. Do you want to add that? Yeah. Oh, I love the idea. Be outward. I think I, I, I mean, I had no idea what questions were coming. So I, I take a longer time to process. You're a quick processor. I'm a slow processor. Um, I think 10-year-old self kind of chat would be, you know, you're, you're fab. I think I felt really, um, I mean, maybe I did feel outward. I don't know. I think I was very aware of other people around and you're just constantly looking around and you're rating things in other people and thinking, that's great, that's great, that's great. And I think I would want to sit down with myself and be like, there's a whole load of stuff in you. That's great. And, and kind of all championing together. Um, yeah, I don't know. Great. Anything you'd like to add, Lauren, or shall I? Um, I think I misunderstood womanhood and saw like sort of feminine energy as 
a tool for attention and and popularity and stuff like that and I thought like oh how fun to be like super flirty and you've heard my you know bits of my story about wanting to be like a party girl and things like that and actually like the the gifts of being a woman the sort of the empathy the ability to you know something amazing about Jesus is the way that he absorbed pain and only ever gave out love and I think that you know that's that's what like giving birth is, right? You absorb pain and you and then you just relentlessly give love. And I, I don't have kids or anything like that, but I see such spectacular things that are unique to women. And actually all I saw when I was that age was like was like quite shallow. When really there's there's something really incredible and empowering to embrace about it. Brilliant. Um Another question that we've got is, how can we tackle negative body issues in the church? Anyone feeling brave? I feel like Nikki that might, yeah. Well, I was literally just yesterday, um, I was chatting with a friend of mine and we were, we were just enjoying, I guess, something of the representation around New Day um, and just feeling like there was a shift from... Um, I don't even know how, I mean, I'm old, so a while ago, where it just looks like there's, I just feel like there's representation all around me of we're celebrating and we're championing the range and the diversity. So I feel like here, I've quite enjoyed that, that I've looked around and gone, you know, I feel like there's a good representation. So I guess in the church, it's it's that. If you've got one thing being shown all over the place, shift it up, I don't know. Yeah, I would also say it comes down to, like, also who, like, runs like, how the church. So I think that has a huge part in how body uh, perception is perceived. And so I think if you have people who are in leadership that only view something in one way you're only going to see it in one way and obviously I know that a lot of you will know that the word we use the word diversity a lot obviously is and it's obviously it's powerful but obviously it's become quite a common phrase and I think actually it starts when actually going back to the outward um, point that I was making earlier when you have people who have like diverse minds and diverse ways of looking at people things like that can also impact then how we all then, when we're in church, and as Nikki was just saying about how we see representation, um, it can like change our perception. So I think sometimes it comes from who's in charge. Great. Great. And cool. Um, so we've got a few questions um, which are kind of around the topic of modesty. So I'm going to kind of read out one of them and hope that we kind of cover off all of the different aspects of this. And the, the sort of most popular question in here has been, what does modesty look like in today's society, both physically and in other ways, in brackets, also thoughts on the Barbie movie, which I haven't seen, so I definitely can't comment on that. <laughs> you don't have to talk about it. I dressed up for the Barbie movie and I went to the first showing on the first day it came out. Why didn't you invite me? Do you live in Southampton? No. <laughs> Anyone want to answer the question around modesty and what you think that looks like in today's society? Someone's already asked me this today. So I do, yes. Do you want to come up and tell them or shall I? I think purity culture has done a lot of damage to women in the church and, and it's 
just instilled shame. And it's made everyone feel that, that they're not good enough and they need to change how they dress. And, and that's wrong, right? The, so by purity culture, I mean the sort of 90s movement in the church, which is still sort of knocking on today, where women particularly were, were given the impression that, that they should protect their virginity at all costs because men are coming for it and they need to protect themselves and they need to cover up and don't do anything to excite any lust in anyone. And if ever anyone slipped up or, or someone did incite some lust in someone, then that Jezebel should probably do something to fix herself and, and that kind of stuff, right? Okay, it's, all, I'm, it's, it's an exaggeration, but also not an exaggeration in some circumstances. And actually what that did was it put the onus on the woman to protect something and the idea was that every man was coming to get it. And neither of those things are true, right? Men are also hopefully doing their best to working towards God's best within a relationship and, and waiting till marriage. And it is a mutual decision to commit to doing that. It's not something that a woman has to defend at all costs. It should be a, an agreement between a couple, right? And I think within that, there was this big sort of modesty narrative, like, well, how are you dressing? You know, what do you expect when you dress like that? And um, I think that that's a real shame, to put it mildly. Um, Jesus was really clear that if you feel lustful thoughts, you should pluck out your own eye. Not that you should tell the, the object of your lustful thoughts to wear more clothes, right? Because you will always be exposed to images which are sexually, you know, sexualized. Because that's our world, right? So if you can't be exposed to them without, you know, having some sort of horrific, not necessarily horrific, but, you know, without having these kinds of thoughts. And that's, that's something that you can work through, right? So I think when it comes to choosing how to dress for us... That's all an aside. For us, when it comes to choosing how to dress, I think we need to think through less, is this modest, is this not? And more, why am I wearing this? And if you're putting on a dress or a top that's got cleavage because you're like, I would like someone to notice me, then I don't think that's ideal. I don't think that that makes you some sort of hoe bag or, you know, whatever, right? I just think, apologies, I don't know if I was allowed to say that on the stage. Okay. Well, it do, I don't think that that makes you a terrible person, right? I think it's natural to want a bit of attention here and there, but let's check our motives and let's dress in a way that we're super proud of, that's, that's appropriate for the time. And, it's, and we're wearing it because we love it. And, and we love to express ourselves through the way we dress um, rather than because we hope that someone will notice a part of our body or something because of it. And I think if that's our motivation, we'll probably be choosing clothes that make us feel really confident um, and also represent our personalities, but without being too exposing. Oh, she's good. <laughs> By the way, she didn't actually, like when she talked about plucking out your eyes, it's they're not, like if anyone is here thinking, am I supposed to do that? It's, it's an expression. It's not like, well, not a Jesus expression, not literal. Um, 
I, I have actually been hauled up before through my, through my life on what I wear and whether it was helpful or unhelpful. I remember the first time it happened and I was so offended and so cross, like, how dare you? Um, so I've done a little bit of a journey with that, just in a what's helpful, what's kind to other people. Um, and and that, that has helped, I guess, if I've worn stuff. I've got a little bit older, so I guess I've got a different perspective now. So I think intergenerationally, like when you're young and all your mates are, you're thinking only how you are around each other. But when you're around people who are a different age, it just lands differently. So I think just being a bit older, I've just felt a bit different. I work in a school, so sometimes, you know... People come in and I'm like, wow, that's a lot. Um, it's Monday morning. And, and I know you're, you know, you're wearing whatever you want. And I, I get that. But just, just so you know, if I wore that, you'd all be looking at me like, miss, no. Um, so that's helpful. Just kind of imagining if, I, if, if somebody else was wearing what I was wearing, that bounce has been quite good. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, why you're wearing something is a really lovely take. Like, that's quite an easy question to ask, is it, am I wearing it to get something or, or do I just love it and I just like wearing it? I think that is quite an easy check in the, in the moment. And is, is it kind for people around me? Is it helpful? Great. Thanks, guys. So I'm going to ask these guys one more question and get them all to answer it. But before I do, there's just been a lot of questions in here around kind of church leadership and church eldership and whether or not women can kind of be in those roles, which I'd sort of expect. And without avoiding the question, I'm going to avoid the question. (laughs) You all need to ask her afterwards. I want a long queue in front of her and do not let her go till she answers it. I think what I would, well, what I'm going to say is that we've got a lot of different churches that are represented presented here and there are different perspectives and different things that different people will believe and and so I don't want to give like a really strong this is it and this is absolutely it I've got my own beliefs but I think it's something it's really important for you to feel free to go and talk to your church leaders about and go and discuss with them what in your particular churches in your groups of churches is um, what their perspective and their belief is but above that I'd encourage you to get into the word of God and really read the Bible yourself and draw your conclusions about what you think um, the Bible says about that subject. Um, and, and if you want some resources around that, I'd really recommend Steph Liston's book, Gender Quality, that I mentioned earlier. He actually um, really helpfully like, sort of plays out both of the kind of different theologies around whether or not women can be elders or whether or not they cannot be. Um, it argues both sides and it's so helpful just for you to go and study and come to your own conclusions um, and to just talk it through with your church leaders because I you know that's for for them to help you kind of work out so I am ultimately avoiding the question but I want to encourage you to engage with the question it's really important and it is really important that as young women you are given spaces to thrive and grow in your churches and that's the kind of the the message that we want um, for you to take away from here today. Um, so the final question that I'm going to ask, and, and hopefully we could keep it relatively snappy answers, because I do just want to leave a little bit of time to pray at the end as well, um, is what, what would your one piece of advice be for women in faith, in, of faith in today's society? Friendship. <laughs> um, I would say friendship. Um, for me, my own personal story, and just navigating being me in the church and in the world is actually having really 
good friends. Um, I think I've spoken about it a quite, probably at every new day, just the importance of like having good friends. And um, I feel like um, uh, I was actually chatting to Abigail, yeah, oh, Abigail who did the word yesterday, big up. Um, and we were chatting earlier today and we, I was saying to you, weren't I, about actually the importance of having really good friends because actually friends, first of all, that you can obviously be your full self with and actually our full self, if you call yourself a Christian, is you want to give your faith. And, you know, sometimes it can be, ch- by the way, like, you know, it's not saying that you can't have non-Christian friends, just making that FYI very clear. But, you know, there are some things in which you want to give every single part of yourself. And I think having um, good friendship in faith allowing to be able to navigate all the things that life just throws at you somebody who can challenge love you all the good adjectives that you all know um, I think is like a, a really crucial part of being able to navigate your faith navigate in the marketplace schools or whatever um, so yeah that's what I say Ab, thanks Rebecca I think um, mine probably ties into the question that we're avoiding great <laughs> That's what Hannah was hoping I'd say. Um, No, I actually, I interviewed a group of nuns the other day, Catholic nuns, and um, they definitely don't believe that women should be priests. They're very clear on that, and in their Catholic tradition, they would only ever have male church leaders, but they're so set that women have a valuable voice to bring to, to a community, a church community, and they should be consulted and included in leadership positions, even if they're not the primary pastor so wherever you land on on that when you take it to your church leaders know that that whether you think a woman can be the primary at a church there's certainly a voice for women in the church full stop and that's that's not up for debate and I and my thing my piece of advice I would give you is I remember saying to my mentor like I want to understand this more I want to understand women's place and what women are designed for and stuff like that but I'm really scared that God's sexist right and that I'll do all of this and find out that I don't, I'm not that important and I'm but men are more important and I should just sit down and shut up and all of this stuff right and she said to me you will never find God on the wrong side of anything getting to know God and his heart in any particular issue or just in general will only ever bring fruit to your life. So don't be afraid to wrestle with these difficult questions. God is not on the wrong side of it. He loves you. All of these challenging things that we as Christians, we as women, and we as the church of a whole, as a whole are looking at. Churches, God is not on the wrong side of them and he wants to have the conversation with you. Invite him in to the things that you struggle with and, um, and it will only ever pay dividends. I went third hoping I'd have a really good answer but I don't <laughs> know that I do. Um, I, what was the question again? Um, put my phone down. One piece of advice for Christian women. Yeah. I feel like it needs to be girly. I don't know that I have a girly answer. I just you, have it an doesn't answer. have to be girly okay. at all. Okay. No, we're breaking off stereotypes okay. here. Good women. I'm just just me. My piece of advice yeah. would be okay. Um, so I feel like I'm I'm a lot of a person. So I, I I've I've done a little bit of a journey recently that I've realised I'm not too much, but I'm pretty much too much for everybody. So I'm too much for my husband, love him, and he often sends me off to my mates. I have incredible mates. There are definitely times where I can see all over their face, too much, Nick. Um, So I am not too much, 
but I am too much for most people. I have never felt too much for God. And I think what I've journeyed in the last little while has just been a space with God where it's almost like I can feel I've come to the end of, you know, all of these different spaces and I just need stacks of time with God. I need loads more time with God than I ever realised I did. Um, And so I guess my piece of advice would be, you know, going hard with God, going hard with scripture, get great friends, but just go in till it's enough for you that almost your, how you, how your relationship with God is, it, it fills you till you're full. Um, and that, that I guess has been fun and new-ish and I, I like it. Great. What a brilliant place to end. And it is because um, I do want us to spend a little bit of time praying for one another. And actually, prophetically, as I've been praying for this over the last few days, the thing that I felt like God really wants to break off us as women and for, for you guys here is that feeling that you're too much. So the fact that, that Nikki's just it's kind like of... Jesus knew. <laughs> I know. Has ended us there, I think, is just really helpful. And we're going to... I'm going to ask you to be really quick to this, but I want us to spend time praying for each other as women. Um, so if you feel like that you've just felt at some point in your life that someone's spoken over you or you felt it in yourself that you are just too much, that's... A, that's a lie, but B, can I just ask you to be really courageous and stand to your feet right now? Like, I'm, st- I'm already standing, so but I would be standing, right? Thank you. I love this bravery and this courage that is in here. Like, if you are near these guys, can I just encourage you to just start praying for them, for the Holy Spirit to come, for the lie to be broken off them. If youth leaders, if you're in here and can sort of gather around with your young people, I think we have got a few red caps that are going to be in here. Um, yeah, and the other group of women that I just felt like God really wanted to pray for, which is kind of almost the opposite end of the spectrum, is that you've believed a lie that you need to stay small and you need to stay small in order to be a woman. And so if that's you, can I just encourage you to stand up as well? And if you have stood up and you don't have anyone around you, can you just wave your hand in the air for me, please? Can you just wave your hand? Guys, we've still got some people in the middle at the front here that just need people to be praying for and just at the back, kind of over to this side of me. Can we just be really quick to gather around some of these women um, and just start praying that God would break that lie off us? Um.